0: So let's get started. I can't stand you today.
1: Yeah, I'm honestly surprised you're willing to do this podcast <laughs> after the way uh, after the way that weekend series went. I mean, uh, looked good after you know uh, Saturday's game, but it's funny you look at the pitching matchups. The only pitching matchup that was really could have been interesting, in my opinion, would have been the one on Friday because you look at Saturday's Chris Sale versus Sonny Gray. We're talking about the Red Sox best versus the Yankees worst. Um, yesterday. I mean, Price has been good this year, but we know he can't pitch against the Yankees. And you have the Yankees best in Severino. So those were the two games I expected a win for the Red Sox and a win for the Yankees. But Friday night's game was the game I really had no idea how to predict because, of course, you know, cc has been very solid this year. rod has been very solid this year. But uh, the Yankees power kind of just came to play on Friday night. But we were, we were talking before we got on here. Very, very strange series between these two teams because you're expecting, you know, like a 5-4 Four, eight, six,
0: yeah, yeah. maybe,
1: you know, eight, six, seven, five type games, and none of them were even close.
0: Um, okay, so David Price, you're right. I, I'm sorry, but I, I can't help but not like this guy over and over. I mean, I don't know. I kind of, I kind of like his attitude. Like, I mean, I kind of like it when he's a little condescending to the media. But I also think that it just makes him look bad to the fans in Boston. But yesterday was my proudest day because I got to be celebrating in the fact that the Yankees couldn't get any kind of run support or hits or anything. Sunny. Very good. But um, in general, these two teams are probably going to fight it out to the end, and uh, we'll have to see. But he's made 39 starts against the Yankees, to two and six with an 8.43 ERA in nine starts. Just uh, he signed his $217 million contract with the Red Sox before the 2016 season, so he's faced uh, the Yankees twice this season allowing 12 earned runs in 4 and 3rd inning. He's 0 and 5 with the 10-4-4 ERA in his last 5 starts at Yankee Stadium and when you pitch like this at Yankee Stadium, you don't really have the right to be talking condescending to the media about it like, I, yeah, when he was asked about whether or not he was looking forward to pitching against the Yankees, he said that he wasn't going to be there. He wasn't allowed to go or something like that because he was too busy playing Fortnite. (laughs) I don't know. But either way, um, if you can't Produce then you don't you probably shouldn't be talking shit
1: no, probably not. But my biggest question, and I posted this on social media, is why is he even pitching versus the Yankees at this point?
0: I have no idea. I mean, like,
1: it can't be hard to throw a spot starter out there. You know, the spot starter can't do any worse than what Price is doing. I mean, you're honestly throwing away a baseball game when you throw him against the Yankees in Yankee Stadium at this point. I mean, I could say the same thing about Sonny Gray, but he's just consistently bad versus everybody. Price is actually <laughs> good for the most part. Hey man, um, just not versus the Yankees. So there is a bit of a difference. There, I mean, it's, you're, you're asking to lose that baseball game when you start him.
0: Sonny Gray has been better than Drew Pomeranz. I'll give you that much.
1: Where is yeah, Drew Pomeranz? that's because Pomeranz isn't pitching that
0: much. Where is he? What happened He's to injured. him? Is he hanging out with Cespedes at the barbecue? Yeah, I
1: guess so. I guess so. But I mean, at least, at least you have somebody else pitching in place of him. I mean, Sonny Gray just uh, the the, Yan- the Yankees need to find a way to unload this guy. Um, I think he's a good pitcher. I liked him when he was with Oakland. I just don't think he's made for New York and Yankee Stadium, specifically. Um, so.
0: Can you let I, your Yankee I, fan friends know that booing the starting pitcher in the second inning isn't helping matters and, you know, booing Stanton in his home uh, this first game home? and I don't Yeah, know. well, Stanton at least
1: has, you know, he's come out of it. He's proven himself worthy. That's fine, but I mean, Sonny Gray, the way he. He's pitched in Yankee Stadium. He has it coming, Andrea. I mean, I'm not one to boo my own my own fans, my own team. But, I mean, like, so if, boo him if when you're when he's done, pitch like, that bo- poorly.
0: Like, boo him, then... when the, boo him when the pitching coach comes out and, and, and replaces him. Don't boo him when he still has to be on the mound. Like, I mean, I don't think that it's a it's, uh, – I just don't see a lot. I think that the Yankees fans boo more than any team in baseball. And whether or not – you know, you feel that it's the right thing to do. Uh, I think a lot of people You mean
1: boo pe- their own fans. You mean boo their own team more than anyone in baseball.
0: Yes, that's what I meant. What did I say? Yes.
1: You you just said boo more than anyone in baseball, which could obviously mean a number of different things. I feel no. like they boo their own team the most. They don't really boo the opposing, um teams so much it's really just (laughs) their own (laughs) that's pretty
0: good and i don't i don't know i we did a he said she said segment yesterday and i talked about the yankees booing their their players they're such spoiled rotten little brats here in new york so that's all there is to it i'm surrounded by yankee fans and by the way i love you i need you if i don't have you i have nothing in baseball so you really the evil empire makes life I mean, it just makes baseball better, you know, because you've got to love to hate somebody. And I think that the Yankees are the favorite love to hate team. So let's just talk about a little bit about the, the season or the, the weekend that we had. The Yankees are now 54 and 27, and the Red Sox are 56 and 29. So, it, I mean, this is how close this, uh, AL East is, that they're flipping back and forth, you know, the lead, the best record in baseball. Well,
1: they will be, probably, for the rest of the season. and They'll come down. I think the last series of the season is in Fenway, three-game set between these two teams. And it very likely could come down to that. And what's scarier about that, Andy, is that it's likely the Red Sox will have to pitch sale and the Yankees will have to pitch Severino in that series, meaning that the team that gets to the wild-card game might not have Sale or Severino to use because they'll be using them to try and win the division the weekend before.
0: Well, uh, Sale is good for a couple – you know, Sale's good for short rest. I don't know about Seve, but um, – so they lead – let's see. The New York Yankees, they lead the 19-game season series 5-4 to four so far, and the next time they meet is in early August. So it's at Fenway, just like you said um, – the Red Sox were out-hit 16-4 to and didn't score until the ninth inning at your boy Hicks. It was uh, the first three-homer game by a Yankees player since A-Rod, and um, that was in 2012.
1: Yeah, and to take this even further, trivia question here for everybody in the chat room and yourself, and if you're watching the broadcast or you watch MLB Network, you might have the answer to this one, guys. Um, so... Two other players in Yankees' history have three home run games against the Red Sox. One happened in the last 10 years, and one happened back about 90 years ago or so. Gosh. Um, Anyone have a guess on who those two other players besides Hicks are that have three home run games as Yankees versus the Red Sox? Matsui. Not Matsui.
0: Damn. How about Posada?
1: Not Posada.
0: How about... um, uh... Uh, okay. And it's
1: not a rod.
0: Okay. Well, I don't think it's Jeter.
1: It is not you know, I just leader. remember
0: Matt Suey being such a uh Red Sox just killer, like you know in two thousand four and and beyond it was like this guy just crushed the Red Sox so that's oh,
1: why Chris Gallo has one, Lou Gehry, yes, yeah. Lou Gehrig is the one that happened about ninety years ago, which one is the more recent one happened? I believe in two thousand and ten, maybe it was two
0: thousand eleven shoe is he still playing he is not
1: still playing, he finished his career with the Yankees. signed as a free agent in the uh in
0: about 2008, uh, 2009. Alfonso. Um, wait,
1: Alfonso Soriano. Nope, it was Mark Teixeira.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Mark All Teixeira right. and Lou Gehrig, the only two. So, that uh, must have happened Aaron in the Hick second half. Aaron totally penciled his name into uh, Yankee history with that performance last night. Two of them, two of them came off Price, I believe.
0: Oh gosh, um, are you kidding me? He got, he gave up five home runs yesterday.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Yankees pitches. do hit a lot of home runs, but, um I mean, that happens, but I feel like for the sake of the chat room, we should go and talk about the rest
0: of okay, the other fifteen games
1: that happened yesterday in major league baseball.
0: All right. The the Yankees finished with a season high six home runs, okay? They they actually lead the major leagues in with home runs of one hundred and thirty seven. Are we that surprised about it? Not really, but they did set no. up, a franchise record before the all star break. So New York is on pace to And act- they're
1: on pace, Andy, to break the ninety seven record by the Mariners for a single season home runs.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Okay, so I don't – you know what? The chat room doesn't mind hearing a little bit about the Boston Red Sox and the New York Yankees. They have to. So regardless of whether they – you know, we should move on, I just want to finish my notes real quick. Um, Tanaka, I just wanted to give an update on Tanaka with the 2 straight hamstrings. He's going to make a minor league uh, rehab start this week, and he should rejoin the, the Yankees next week. So you're going to get one pitcher back, and maybe Sonny Gray can go take a, a little break there.
1: Yeah, hopefully. I mean, this week... They have the Braves come into town for three games. That'll be interesting. I think uh, both Domingo Herman and uh, Jonathan Sega or Lasagna. Lasagna, as people like to call him, um, both of them are going to be getting starts and could really be pitching for their uh, their spot in this rotation among um, amongst when uh, you know when Tanaka comes back. One of these guys probably going to get bumped out. I still don't know if Sonny Gray is going to. So um, one of these guys going to get bumped. And right now, the way uh, Lasagna. Been pitching, it would be hard to bump him, especially with Herman having MLB experience in the bullpen already. So it could be very interesting. If you own these guys in fantasy, uh, you might be losing one of them or at least losing much of their value.
0: The international signing period starts today, and also now, you know, we're in July, so it's the trade deadline month, and I don't know if a lot of people call it hot stove. I call it hot stove because it kind of is up from here up till the trade deadline, and we're talking about, in the chat room already, we're talking about some different trades that could take place. So, I think that it's important to remember how how much these trades, at the, you know, that happened right before the trade deadline do affect uh, teams going into the World Series. Like last year, uh, Verlander went to Houston, and I don't think that Houston would Won. They could have won without him, but it's you know this was a definite. Wouldn't
1: p- have happened, no way.
0: Okay, so there you go. So Verlander um, in 2016, roles Chapman went to the Cubbies. It wouldn't have happened for them either had they not had uh, Chapman. I, as far as I'm concerned, and they gave up a ton to get him to the Yankees. Um, in 15, the Royals got Zobrist. We don't look at him as like a big difference maker at this point in his career, but he was at the time. Um, so it goes,
1: they got Cueto
0: too. Every year we have some. There's every year it seems that there's one trade that actually that the World Series champion team makes that actually uh, has a huge impact on how they finish. So yes, we will be talking trade uh, rumors. We will be t- putting up some kind of trade rumor list on the website um, as soon as I figure out how to do that. But let's talk about the Angels in Baltimore. Um, they poor Baltimore, but they did end on a, a good note. They got their only victory during a seven-game homestand that began with four straight losses to Seattle. They actually improved a. One and fifteen against the AL West, and one at home for the second time in nineteen games since May 13th. They really do have the worst record in the majors, so there's not a lot to talk about. But they did—they got to win yesterday. They had ten hits. Well, you know what
1: there is to talk about, Andy? Yeah. Is obviously Machado. You're talking about trades. He should be moved. But uh, Adam Jones having a pretty good year quietly. Mark Trumbo's been hot as anybody. Uh, Mancini starting to heat up a little bit. So there are some players. I mean, I don't think Mancini's going anywhere, but Trumbo could be good trade bait for the Orioles the way he's hitting. Obviously Machado, um, Adam Jones, I believe, set to become a free agent. So the Orioles could actually have a huge impact on how teams um, finish this season with the trades that they could possibly make.
0: So yesterday we had the Baltimore beat writer on, and he was very good. And we talked about Manny Machado quite Extensively, we this is what we he said he said that the team that stands to benefit the most by getting Machado and the team that is likely to get him, which is somebody that some team that we haven't really been talking about in the Manny Machado sweepstakes, is Arizona. He feels that the Arizona Diamondbacks are the most um, that they will benefit the most by getting him and that they are willing to do what they got to do to compete in that division. So what do you think about Machado to the Diamondbacks?
1: I would say that that's a strong possibility. and I've actually heard that for about a month or so now that they're interested. It's really just a matter of what they're willing to give up. But I think the Diamondbacks and Dodgers are both going to be heavy suitors there in the West. And I think the Cubs are going to be making a big push too. I do think he's going to go to the National League.
0: The um, Dodgers are an interesting. Um, that's where I have been p- placing him this whole time. I mean, I really think that the Dodgers um, are the most willing to spend the money. However, the Dodgers are at 192 million. Basically, um, it's a little bit under 192 million, but very close to that. Machado's contract is 16 million. Now, obviously, uh, some of this is going to be prorated, so he's not going to owe for the the whole 60, 16 million, but. If you even cut that in half, that's 8 million at 192 million. If they do have to pay him 8 million and they don't trade away any of their contracts for this season, they will be over the tax threshold. And that right there, my friend, is a bad bad idea. So,
1: well, there is something that can be done about that and I know Angelos of the Orioles is relatively known as a cheap guy, but um, the Dodgers could throw in an additional prospect or higher uh, leverage type prospects and have the Orioles eat a bunch of that money. We've seen that happen a number of times. We saw it happen as recently with Calvin Herrera. Um, the Nationals didn't pay, aren't going to be paying any of Herrera's contract, to my knowledge, and they, um, because of that. Um, they, you know, they had to give up. No, sorry, the Nationals are paying all of Herrera's contract, I should say, and then didn't have to give up um, a quality of a prospects to get Herrera from the Royals. So you could see maybe the opposite of that, where the Dodgers pay more. To not have to take on the Machado contract, just take on the player, and the Orioles would eat the rest of it.
0: I uh, I really do believe that the Phillies have a good chance of getting Machado. They're at 108 million for their their contracts. I really think that after next year, um, it falls down significantly. The Phillies have the money they they need. They're going to be making some moves, I believe. But um, you know, it's fun to just guess where where players are going or whatever but it also is interesting that one two three five teams have less than a hundred million dollar payroll that literally the white Sox owe their players 79 million for the entire season and that's all of their that's all that's it 79 million well
1: i think the biggest thing about machado though is it's not even as much as where he's going to go because we know there's a number of suitors it's what does his team have to give up to get him for three months or two months whatever it's going to be um you know, like I, I, I guess it's possible he could, you know, sign and trade. You know, agree to an extension before the trade, so to speak. But I mean, it's really hard to justify giving up a top of the line prospect for a guy who you're almost sure is going to hit free agency.
0: Well, he he might, but there. I hope that he. I mean, if if a team like the Phillies that can afford to, you know, spend some money, if a team like that gets him, it's not just a. It could. You know, they could really sign him to a a long-term contract, which uh, would be in the best interest of everybody involved if he does get, which he will get traded. Lenny thinks that uh, the Baltimore Orioles – Kind of missed their opportunity to get the most money for Machado or the most trade in trade. But I don't yeah, believe it should have that. Last off season. I don't believe that. I think that the value goes up as we get closer to the trade deadline and as teams start to figure out exactly what they need, it, it becomes uh, more important for them to invest. So we'll have to see about that. But Otani, um, basically, we don't really know if he's going to come back. He actually, could be activated for this week's series against Seattle, but Mike Sosha said, let's just get. Get by today and see how he does because he's going to take um, live batting practice. Or maybe he did take live batting practice yesterday. I'm not really sure. But I think that even more important I think than
1: this is a terrible decision by the Angels, an like, awful idea by the Angels. One, they're already starting to fall out of, of the race. I mean, the fact that they're going to try and catch Seattle or Houston at this point, they're fooling themselves. Why don't but they, but they just so, put
0: him to Tommy John and get it over with? He's going to need it.
1: But not even just that. It's like, why take the risk of him injuring himself as a hitter and delaying him coming back next year when he's going to be able to help you a hell of a lot more as both a pitcher and a hitter again? (laughs) All you're doing is... Um, taking the chance of him re-injuring himself or making the injury worse by allowing him to hit.
0: No matter what happens, it's not going to heal itself. This tendon is not going to heal itself. He came over here with a UCL uh, that was slightly damaged, somewhat damaged, a partial tear, whatever. These partial tears, I mean, there's nobody in history besides Tanaka that has been able to pitch through this without ending up in Tommy John, and we also, we don't know for sure what's going to happen with Tanaka, but eventually, eventually, it's going to have to happen, right, so it doesn't just go away, these things don't heal themselves, and I don't agree with the fact that batting isn't going to affect his elbow, I don't agree with that, I mean, I'm not a doctor, but I have, you know.
1: I'm totally with you, and I've talked to people who have had that injury, and had like a Tommy John surgery, I know he didn't have the surgery, um, but it's next to impossible to be 100% Even if he's healthy enough to play, he's not going to be as effective. And the injury risk far outweighs the, you know, the odd thing he might do with the plate for a team that, again, is falling very quickly.
0: So, um, good morning to Beach Bum. I'm looking forward to coming to Myrtle Beach soon. Asimov, Leonard Donaldson, our friend Statement Games, who actually lives in our same condo complex, Lou, if you can imagine that, actually lives, like, our, he's our neighbor so welcome aboard. I can only
1: imagine it because when already told me <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but yeah that's uh, that's that's small world small world but um, I've checked out statementgames.com I believe it is. It's very it's a very interesting game I think it's very innovative very cool so for those who haven't checked it out be sure to.
0: I went over there made myself an account <coughs> excuse me. Um, and i' I made my statements for a game like last week, I think I mean i I haven't played as much as I'd like to play. You actually get free. Um, coins for just signing up. So you, and it's not just like a couple coins. I mean, it costs like I think five coins a game or something really small like that, and you get fifty to start off. So you actually get quite a few free games just to just to get it started and just to try it out. It's not like DFS, but it's it has. I mean, it is daily, but it's a it's it got different payout system. And just try. It. I mean, it's very innovative. It's brand new. Of course, we support our neighbor a hundred percent and um, look forward to getting to know him better. So so, um, yeah, com. Check it out. We didn't really – we should have done this as a pregame um, advertisement. We should have had Yeah, a-
1: right. We should have. Um, well, you know what I like about it is that with DFS, I feel like it could be such a crapshoot. I mean I feel like you don't even – like I do all this work, all this research, and, yeah, I mean I do fairly well. Um, you know I tend to finish in the in the top third which is why you know playing those triple ups can be good but with statement games it's like you you can actually do well by just knowing the game itself and like being able to you know to predict how things are going to happen in a baseball game rather than you know taking a shot like having to stack against you know Corey kluber just to hope that no one else is doing it and the team happens to hit well you know like that's the way the way someone wants Won a GPP the other night, they probably won you know like ten thousand dollars. Was stacking the Cardinals against Corey Kluber in that one game where Kluber stunk, and whoever did that, which was probably not many people, because who stacks against Corey Kluber, nobody, um, you know, exactly happened to uh, happened to win a lot of money. And to me, that's luck, That's yeah. not skill.
0: So let's you're, give you're, a- you're
1: not skilled if you decide to stack against Kluber. You're just taking a shot in the dark.
0: Let's take a. And give a little bit of uh, let's give a moment of appreciation and um, consideration for the fact that Tampa Bay has the best. Literally, they're out of control right now. They went eight and one at Tropicana. That's not really a big deal, but they took three or four. Who from... they beat? Yeah, I know. Who they beat okay, let me finish. very impressive.
1: Yeah.
0: Three or four from Astros. They swept three from the Yankees and they won both games against the Nationals. So they set a team record, they allowed no more than two runs for six straight games, and the Astros went 0 for 14 during this series with runners in scoring position. That is, I mean, Blake Snell is pretty amazing with his tying, uh, he tied Hall of Famer Walter Johnson from 1914, okay, with his 11th consecutive home start, allowing one or few earned runs, one or fewer earned runs for the longest stretch in the AL since 1913. He's given up five earned runs over 51 and two-thirds innings at home this season.
1: Yeah, he's actually, I believe in 2018, he is the best um, home pitcher in Major League Baseball. 6-1, 0.87 ERA, 178 batting average again. So he is absolutely crushing it in Tropicana Field right now. And definitely going to be an all-star. And legitimately, I mean, I still think it's going to go to Verlander or Severino, but he does have a chance, in my opinion, to start the all-star game for the American League.
0: Okay, well, I'm a fan of Bauer, so you can't. Nobody's better than Bauer, but okay. So I know that's a matter of opinion, <laughs> and you know. So um, Gaddis, though, two home runs. You know, he finished uh, June with eight home runs and 30 ribbies. That's pretty good. Who, who was that? I missed that. Gaddis, Evan Gaddis. Oh, Gaddis, yeah,
1: yeah. He had a uh, he had a crazy, crazy June and continued it yesterday, the first day of July.
0: So, Kevin Kiermeyer was rested yesterday. Um, he made two diving catches. You know, it's been very hot around baseball. And it's, you look at the TV and you're just like, oh my goodness, sweltering. We'll talk about that a little more in the Cubbies game because Joe Madden said. Did you see the
1: Kevin Pilar play from yesterday?
0: I did not see it. Oh my goodness. What happened?
1: Um, like, pretty much ran up the wall. Robbing Castellanos of a second home run. Oh,
0: I did see um, that highlight. Yes, yeah, I did. It was
1: unbelievable yeah. what he did. I mean, there, there's been a number of crazy good plays, but uh, Kevin Pillar just flashing the leather game after game after game. Too bad he can't hit a little more because he'd be uh, – he, he kind of reminds me of Kevin Kiermeyer though, guys that you want more – from at the plate, but just what they do in the field makes up for it.
0: Yeah, I was wondering, it must have been brought up Kevin Kiermeyer was mentioned, but George Springer is another one. Um, he had a 3 for 44, like he was 3 for the last 44, and he actually kind of hurt himself. He Hinch says he's a little beat up, but he he got out. He wasn't in the lineup yesterday for the second time in three days because after he tumbled into the stands facing a foul ball on Saturday. But we'll have to see. I mean, if I if I own Springer, which I do in the league, but it's a daily league, so it's all good. A um, weekly league, what do you do with Springer? He's been out for the last two. I mean, two out of the last three, and um, he's three for 44. So even if he's playing, he's no good right now.
1: Yeah, that's tough. I mean, it, it sucks when you have players of that caliber um, hitting as badly as they are. But for me, like I always kind of just go down with with the ship with those types of players. I mean, as you mentioned, in a daily f- format, it's not really a big deal. In the weekly format, I guess you could. Sit him for the week, hope he kinda of figures it out. But at the same time, um, when players are of that caliber are this cold, you know they're like, you know, one swing away from getting on a hot streak and you kick yourself in the ass over and over again, pardon my French, if you have him on your bench when he hits that hot streak.
0: I'll go ahead and bench him today, and then you guys will benefit because I guarantee he will hit if I bench him. So I'll do that for you guys and take the loss. But uh, speaking of Nick Castellano, Castellanos, he has been on fire. And, you know, I don't know. Um, Lenny and I have been fans of this guy for a while. We really did believe that he wasn't – he had not reached his peak as far as the, um, his offense was concerned. But literally right now he's one of the hottest hitters in baseball. Um, he hit his fourth career – Grand Slam yesterday. Jordan Zimmerman, though, what up, Jordan Zimmerman? I actually had to go through and read um, the app, the press conference after the game to see what management is saying about what he did yesterday, because you know he used to be a good pitcher until all of a sudden he signed this huge um, contract with Detroit, and now he's he's been nowhere to be found. In the fantasy world, he's completely obsolete and, until now, but what he did yesterday makes me think that he could be, this could be the start of something really good, and even Gar higher said that he had a great curveball and that he it was probably the best curveball that he's ever seen out of um, Zimmerman so I really do think that maybe Zimmerman figured something out I mean he's been absent for a little bit at five hits and in seven innings one earned run he didn't walk anybody struck out six he's got a 391 era but I honestly if you're in a deep league or something and he's available I might take a chance on him no joke
1: you know what Andy I think a number of teams around Major League Baseball might be willing to take a chance on him as a as depth back end of the rotation type starter, too, if he rolls off a couple more good starts.
0: Yes, I agree. Um, poor Toronto couldn't even win on Canada Day, and that stinks. They're 14-26 and 26 on Canada Day, so they're just no good on Canada Day. They um, that Too much in-
1: pressure. To, Speaking might- of which, by the way, hold on one yeah. second. Very important for fantasy owners out there. Yeah. Start, set your lineups early today if you're in weekly lineups because the Jays and Tigers are playing today at one Eastern in the afternoon. So, so y- yesterday, be aware of that. Set your lineups early.
0: Yes, good idea. Gardenhire actually decided that he was going to call this meeting uh, before the game yesterday. He wanted everybody to speak up. He gave everybody a chance that wanted to say something to just um, you know let it out and get it get it out on the table so that they could enter the game with fresh mind. I will tell you this. It, I, it might be coincidence that they got 13 hits yesterday, but I'm not sure that it was a coincidence. I think that it's important for these managers to get with their team and let everybody voice their opinions, get it all out, and start fresh.
1: It certainly can't hurt when you're the Tigers, who I think had lost like 10 or 11 in a row before they won this game. So um that's a that's a big one. And you know what's interesting, Andy? We were talking about trade candidates and everything, and obviously Jay Happ and Cole Hamill's both been rumored to be on the move, uh, likely two teams in the American League. They both pitched yesterday. They both gave up seven earned runs, um, not, not the greatest performances from two guys who were hoping to be on the move. I mean, Happ's been – Pretty steady All season long Outside of his start uh, The Grand Slam Really hurt him Obviously um, Cole Hamill's Not as big of a fan Of him um, Been pretty good On the road But just has not Been able to pitch In Texas So I guess Maybe getting out Of Texas Could be a good thing Um For the American League teams, or the American League East teams specifically, I would definitely take the shot on Hap before I would take the shot on Hamels, because Hap at least has proven he could pitch in the AL East, whereas with Hamels, um, I feel like maybe a team like the Phillies could be interested, maybe the Brewers, I think maybe someone in the National League should be looking at Cole Hamels.
0: Well, there's a question in the chat room about Strowman, and um, I was a Strowman owner at the beginning of the season, and I did not waste any time getting rid of him because I couldn't believe the number of walks that he was allowing, and I um, I, I just, I didn't see the same Strowman that I drafted, that's for sure. Uh, but I do think, okay, that he is finding his groove again after the start that he just recently had. How can you deny it? I mean, he didn't walk anybody. That was the biggest thing to me is is he who? how many batters is he going to walk? And he didn't walk anybody. And I will say that um, if he was available and I'm in a league I, and I needed a pitcher, I would probably take a chance on Stroman. So, yes.
1: I would certainly take a chance on Stroman. I mean, I was one of those people that before the seasons began touted him as almost an ace type of pitcher. I've always been a big fan of Strowman, and yeah, obviously, as you alluded to, he really stunk at the beginning of the year, but a lot of that had to do with him being injured for most of spring training. Jays probably should have shut him down for the first couple weeks of the season. They didn't. They had him try to pitch through it, and obviously it affected him, but now that he is back and healthy, uh, this guy's got great great stuff, probably the best stuff on this Jays team, so uh, as bad as they might be as a team overall, Strowman has the potential to be a you know fantasy number two, certainly a fantasy number three for you for the remainder of the season
0: The Minnesota Twins scored five runs in the eighth inning, but they did not beat Chicago uh, The score was 10-11 to 11. Did you
1: see that series, though? It was yes. wild Yes,
0: and it was hot as hell, runs. dude It was hellish hot, hellish Like Joe Mann said, he'd never seen felt a game that was hotter than the other day. It was, had a heat index of 107. Um, I grew up in the, like, I grew up in Southern California and we lived very close to Palm Springs and there, it would get like 118 there. But the thing is, is that the dry heat is a lot different than the humidity that you feel in the, in the East part of the country. Um, there was several people that had to come out of the game. I mean, literally there was so, it was bad. It was hard conditions to play in, but the Cubbies, they've scored at least 10 runs in four straight games. That's the First time that they've done that since 1930. They swept the, the Twins, which isn't a huge surprise. And Minnesota concluded a one and five Chicago road trip that began with two losses and three tries to the White Sox and then fell 10 games below 500 for the first time this season. The Twins um, actually have a decent schedule this week, but I'm a little bit hesitant to. I can't stand Byron Buxton right now.
1: Yeah, you haven't been able to stand by her since the (laughs) beginning of the season. It's getting worse, Um, dude.
0: The love is not getting better. I might go to Rochester just to boo his ass
1: just kidding yeah right just um, kidding but brian dozier had a nice game it's that time of the year where he starts to uh yes. to turn it on yeah so people should uh should certainly be paying attention to that mm-hmm. um there's another guy who i've seen on a number of waiver wires right now carlos gonzalez of the uh the rockies what um he had a weird season last year but in the second half he was as good as it gets so if he's floating around in your waiver wires you should probably pick him up too
0: i agree i think that's a good good thing um that's about it for that game. I mean, you know, there's not a lot. Let's keep keep going. The Indians uh, and the Oakland A's. The Indians are out of control, good right now. Um, this is, uh, gosh, who's their who's their best pitcher?
1: Probably Besides Trevor Bauer. Bauer if, if, if if someone's asking oh, you, it's I would still Kluber. Oh well, yeah. I was gonna say I would say it's Kluber. You would say it's Trevor Bauer because well, of your your man crush. Yes. Um, but, I mean, Clevenger's not too shabby either.
0: Yes, I love Clevenger. I love his shoes. I just love Clevenger. He's good. Just good. Um, they matched the team record of tw- – they nearly matched the team record of 12 doubles set against Minnesota in 1996. They ended um, their – God, they had a six-game – they ended Oakland's six-game winning streak. It won, the Oakland Athletics had won 12 of 14 going into yesterday. But – and the Indians were outscored 10-3 to in the first two games of the series and were on the verge of being swept for the second time this season. Only the second time this season, but they had hit 20 hits yesterday. And in the last couple of days, there's been several games. I think the Cubbies had 20 hits on Saturday. Um, really, they uh, Cleveland's out of control with their run support right now in the first 10 batter space without any outs, okay? So Frankie Montas just got crushed yesterday. Nine hits and five and two-thirds. Um, he only got three earned runs, though. Three earned runs is not too bad. Yeah, he made
1: up for it. He ended up going almost six innings, too, um, despite the really, really bad start. So I have a question for everybody, um, and it could be obvious based on the game we're talking about, but since 2012, who yeah. leads Major League Baseball? What player leads Major League Baseball in home runs and RBI since the start of 2012?
0: Encarnacion.
1: Boom. You Bam. got that one pretty pretty quickly. You got that
0: one. I just I just uh he was the first one that came to mind. I figured it was either an A's oh. player or um an Indians player. But Lindor, what's up with him? I got a lot of shit for drafting Lindor as the first uh shortstop off the board in several drafts. Well, uh you think it's time for you to give some shit back then. I think it's a little time for that. And what about well I you know, let's let's not get too out of control here. But really he's got forty eight RBIs. Um hit a home oh, right
1: him and Jose Ramirez right now. Um, I don't think you can find a better left side of the infield in Major League Baseball.
0: Lindor is the only MLB player this season to have three games with at least two doubles and a home run. And Encarnacion hit his 20th home run yesterday with two RBIs. Now he's got 56 RBIs. Unbelievable for the amount that you paid for Encarnacion because he was going pretty cheap at drafts compared to what he's doing. Um
1: well, he just does it every year. The guy's a model of consistency. Even though the average is down right now uh, in the 230s, and you expect him to be more like a 260, 270 type guy, the home runs and RBIs are going to be there from this guy. They always are, I think, last seven or eight years, he's had at least 20, 25 homers. And over the last five or six years, since since 2012, obviously, as we just alluded to, he leads the league in homers and RBI. So clearly he's doing something right every single year.
0: Yes, totally. I mean, you know, he can be counted on, that's for sure. So earlier I told you that the Indians nearly matched their team record of 12 doubles in a game. Yesterday they had 11 doubles. Um, That's the most in a game. This season, and the most in one contest by Cleveland since doubling a club record 12 times on July 13, 1996. That was against the Twins. Um, it's the most doubles in a game for a team in MLB since the Royals had 11 against the Yankees in August of 2003. That's a long time. so. They also set a record for the for one team at the Coliseum. It was great, Lindor says. You know, Lindor is, I think, a huge club leader. There's a lot of leaders on that team. Cleveland is clearly, clearly the best team in the American League Central, but it's not saying much to say that. But they are clearly the best team, and they can compete with the best teams in baseball. They are in the crappiest division by far.
1: Yeah, well, they're going to cruise to a playoff spot, and they're going to have, they're going to have the luxury of, you know, resting some players. Yes, that's the key. Um, aligning their pitching staff for the American League Division Series, whereas, you know, the Astros and Mariners are going to be going head-to-head, it looks like. Yankees, or Red Sox going head-to-head. So that is a, that is a big, big um, benefit for the Indians. I want to talk about Matt Harvey here for a moment. Yeah, though, go because, ahead.
0: I dropped um, him. Okay, so just rub it in my face again. When, as soon as I <laughs> drop some full well, –
1: Yeah, go ahead. Since he's gone to Cincinnati, he's been pretty good. But over his last three starts, 3-0, 1.47 ERA, 14 strikeouts. And this is the first time since 2015, when he, I believe, started the year with four or five wins, that he's won three or more games in a row. So Matt Harvey finding himself all of a sudden –
0: he reached 97 miles an hour yesterday, before, right before the rain delay. And, I mean, you got to give him credit. I will give him credit. I wish nothing but the best for this guy. You know, hopefully he he's – we live and learn in life, you know?
1: Yeah, and, I mean, I think getting out of the, uh, the Big Apple, um, going to a team with pretty much no expectations, although they've been playing great baseball since the start of June, um, the Reds have. But um, a team with no expectations at all. Um, I mean, he, he kind of fits in there perfectly, um, and you kind of want to see um, if they 're going to trade him, but if they could maybe you know come to some sort of maybe extension or agreement with him, um, it wouldn 't be a terrible idea for them to try and keep Matt Harvey because it 's not like they have a ton of pitching out there. Um, in Cincinnati, and obviously they're building, you know, a, a good little team here. Um, probably going to be good in the next two, three years. So it'll be interesting to see if they what they do with Matt Harvey, because they'll probably get some bites. In trades, the way he's pitching right now.
0: Well, I could say this: the Cincinnati Reds should probably not do anything at the trade deadline. They are—they have won 11 of their last 14, and the last eight of 11 against teams that were in first place. They're in last place, so the Brewers have at least one home run in each of their. La- Let's talk about the Brewer game because I just have that mixed in with my my notes here for Cincinnati. But they've—they uh, have at least one home run in each of their last 19 games at Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati. That's the longest streak by any team, including the Reds. But for the Reds' credit, I mean, Peraza yesterday, he's hit his fifth home run. He got four RBIs. Um, He hit the Reds' major league leading ninth Grand Slam this year. That's a single-season franchise record tying that that was set in 2002. And it was the second Grand Slam in two games and the third in the last eight. And two of those happened from pitchers, or maybe three. I think, wait, so – um, Lorenzen is hitting like crazy right now. A pitcher-gone hitter, uh, three home runs and 4 at-bats, I think it is, but something crazy like that. And Eugenio Suarez, he was one of the first to reach 50 RBIs. He's now at 61 RBIs. Um, Votto is still hitting, of course. He had two hits yesterday, and it, it actually pushed him past Frank Robinson into ninth place on the Reds' career list with – hits for sixteen hundred and seventy four. Brandon Phillips is eighth with seventeen hundred and seventy four. Where did Brandon Phillips sign? Red Sox?
1: Yeah, Red Sox.
0: The Red Sox signed him and they got Pierce. So what the hell are they I mean, honestly it makes you want to go out there and get Brandon Phillips. It makes you want to go out there and get Steve Pierce. But I um i a Steve head-
1: Pierce could be a good um, could be a good play in the daily uh, lineups because he's not really going to face many righties I don't think, but versus lefties he could be in there quite often, especially for a team like Boston who was not hit left-handed pitching that well this year, that's probably one of the reasons why they brought him in, and you saw him, he hit against uh, CeCe Sabathia on Friday night he was one of the only players that had any success in that Red Sox lineup versus CeCe
0: Yeah, yeah, so yeah, it's just, it's unfortunate for fantasy owners, because we don't know when he's going to play, he's not like a serious splits guy, you can't really, and neither is Brandon Phillips, they both hit well, I mean, they both have a decent batting average, so it's like, you look at him, um, when's the situational time to play them, I think that a lot of this, they say that the, the Brandon Phillips signing didn't have anything to do with Dustin Pedroia, but I guarantee it has a little to do with Dustin Pedroia. It has
1: to do with Dustin Pedroia, why else would they have signed him? If they if they think Pedroia's coming back, and they still have Nunez, and Brock Holt can play second, and um, they let's Weihart finally play second base a little bit yesterday. I mean, they have options at second base. So if if they if they weren't concerned about Pedroia, there'd be no reason for them to go out there and add another body to the second base mix in Phillips.
0: Um. Luis Castillo, I can't figure out what to do with this guy. I had him on my bench because I'm so sick and tired of him. I can't deal with him anymore, okay? He didn't allow a home run in his last starts. But that's the only freaking positive thing I could say. He leads the NL um in home runs allowed. And he's actually, today he's pitching. And I had him on my bench in Tout Wars, and then I pulled up my um Derek Hardy, uh projection system for Daily Fantasy. It's called The Bat, or, yeah, it's called The Bat. And um, you can find it at Roto-Grinders. But anyway, he gave uh, us a copy of that. I look at it for DFS. We like to do a little DFS here on this little show that we do. But um, we'll do that at the end. I just, I saw Luis Castillo as one of the top five pitchers to going today and i mean you can only think in your mind that maybe this is based on last year's luis castillo and you know because he had such a great second half but is this the real luis castillo or what in the world is going on i can't help but wanting to put him back in my in my lineup now because if he's projected to do so well you know, today, that's really – it's a head-to-head points league, so you get you get points just for innings pitched. And I'm just real hesitant to pitch Luis Castillo today. So, what do you – maybe it's not today. I think it has to be today.
1: The, the, Luis Castillo, let's see if he pitches today or not. Um, let's yeah, talk. He does pitch today. First, the White Sox. At home, um, only $5,700 on DraftKings, probably not a bad play, especially if you want to get Scherzer, Kluber, or Bumgardner in your lineup. And all very I expensive. mean,
0: also, the, this, the Reds are – we just talked about the Reds doing so well, and it's almost like, you know, as the team goes, so goes the player. But um – Luis Castillo. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna roll with it. You know, I didn't draft the guy to sit on my bench, so there you go. That's that. Yelich um, did sit out again yesterday. He's got a, a problem with his lower back. What do you do with Yelich? He's not on the DL, but he's missed three games since he left the game Thursday night. So three out of four games he's missed.
1: Well, I wouldn't be surprised if they placed him on the DL like today or tomorrow, kind of retroactive to uh, Friday, and then he maybe misses the rest of this week. So I personally would not be putting him in my lineup unless there's no other option.
0: I got club uh, Clayton Richard in San Diego. That's worse. Let's talk about San Diego for a second. Tyson Ross got a stolen base yesterday, right? So that was his first career stolen base, which is pretty cool. But he did have his worst start of the season um, against Pittsburgh. He allowed seven runs and seven hits, three walks, no strikeouts. Uh, he did—he was an offensive player yesterday. The only value that he added to his team was a sacrifice fly that gave the Padres a two-one. Second, and he singled with two outs in the fourth, and then got his first stolen base of his career. Um, so Hosper stole the base yesterday, too. And Jamison tie on four and two thirds, seven hits, three earned runs. And then, of course, this is how we're seeing baseball go these last few this basically this entire season. Ever since uh Tampa Bay started bullpen day, you see uh guys coming in and pitching one inning. He faced six batters, and he got the win after you know, it's like this the starter comes in and pitches a good. A decent, at least Jamison Tyon, who I'm talking about now, a decent start, right? Um, and then he loses the win to a guy that pitches 37 pitches. It took him to get through six batters and four outs. 37 pitches to make four outs, two walks, two strikeouts, and I just don't think that we should be giving wins like this in baseball. We got to figure out a way to to get do better with the wins. Um, <laughs>
1: yeah, you you could say that. Um... Andy, what do you think of your boy Anibal Sanchez today going to New York? Are you going to be using him again? Because I was going to suggest stacking against him today.
0: Well, you shouldn't stack against him because I looked at his – In New
1: York against the Yankees?
0: I'm just saying – I did look at him, actually, for today. I I'm um, I have to say that I, I go through players like freaking toilet paper, you know? I mean, and that's kind of how I feel about Anibal Sanchez right now. He's totally um, uh, disposable at this point. But I did look at him against the Yankees, and I have to say that um, he – there's not a lot of – let me just pull this up real quick so that I have – well, what do you think? The last time
1: I remember him being good first um, the Yankees was when he was actually a dominant pitcher with the Tigers, but he hasn't been dominant in three, four seasons, maybe more.
0: The only player that I'm very concerned about against Anibal Sanchez is Didi Gregorius. That's the one player that I would probably bench Anibal Sanchez over because he's got two home runs and four RBIs and just 11 at-bats against Anibal Sanchez. Well,
1: the... I feel like Sanchez doesn't have much of a track record versus many of the Yankee hitters at this point, because besides Brett Gardner, really, um, none of them have really been around for that
0: long. Well, he. So can't I even mean- really... But they, he's pitched against them on other teams, you know? I mean, look, Brett Gardner has only had 13 at-bats against him, but Didi Gregorius has 11. I mean, there's not a lot of sample size here, but Aaron's, Anibal Sanchez might surprise you, just like Harvey surprised you yesterday when he was at the bottom of the list on DFS, and he cost less than a freaking position player. You know, I really was tempted to to put Matt Harvey in my lineup yesterday, and I'm kind of sad that I didn't, of course.
1: Well, if you're looking for cheap guys, though, I think you're Luis Castillo pick is good i think uh nathan avaldi who some people were talking about today in the chat room he is only eighty seven hundred dollars pitching in miami i think that's a really nice uh nice start there for uh, avaldi you can get two cheap pitchers with avaldi and uh luis castillo and pay up for some some hitters which could be uh could be a lot of fun for you today
0: i got brent Suter on here too for sixty five hundred dollars that um and Kyle Gibson comes right after him for seventy-eight hundred, and you got Chen for forty-six hundred. And I just, I mean, I've never, I don't know. All of these guys though are sitting right above, above. By the way, um, both Madison Bumgarner and Rick Porcello. So, um, yeah, well, Bumgarner's pitching in Colorado, so that's probably why.
1: And Scherzer, um, you said Scherzer or Porcello. Either way, they're facing each other. Boston in Washington. So, um, I mean, it's not... Although, you know what? For Porcello, I feel like the Nationals have actually been struggling offensively a lot lately. So Porcello could have a juicy matchup there. Scherzer, as good as he is, I mean, the Red Sox are a great lineup, especially versus right-handed pitchers. So um, this would be one of those... Games where, although he could go off and be the normal Max Scherzer, um, I would certainly avoid him at $13,300 versus the Red Sox.
0: Yeah, me too. And by the way, Annabelle Sanchez rounds up the bottom of the list here on Derek Cardi's, uh, the bat system. And it's, it's bad. I mean, he comes below James Shields. So I would probably have to say that you're stacking against Annabelle Sanchez might be, might be okay. I won't do it. How
1: about, uh, how about Cordy Kluber today? I know he's expensive, but he's, you know, about as good as it gets, and he gets the Royals who can't hit anything right now. I know um, he's I a mean, good pitcher. This, this could be a perfect game tonight for Cordy Kluber, the way he's pitching and the way the Royals are hitting.
0: I don't think that Kluber's pitching that well. Am I wrong? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I just don't think he's pitching as well as he should be for what we I pay mean, I for him. I think he's
1: second in the league in wins. Um, I mean, he is co- coming off a really bad start in St. Louis. But, I mean, I think that can happen to anybody um, every so often. But, I mean, we're talking about the top three, four pitcher probably in baseball in Corey Kluber and the worst offensive team in baseball in the Royals. I mean, we could They're not,
0: though. The Baltimore Orioles are the worst
1: are are they worse though? I'm not so sure about it. <laughs> well, I think they lately. are.
0: Either way, I'm taking for I mean for half the cost, I'm taking Castillo for sure over Kluber. But that's just me, you know. Um, oh yeah, me too. I'm, I'm already looking at
1: Castillo and Valdi as uh, you know combined. I believe combined they are like just a fifteen hundred more than what Kluber would cost. To now get I those also. Two guys collectively.
0: Here's another question for the chat room that you guys can just put your answers in there whenever you want, because I'm going to continue to move on here, and we're always behind schedule. But I got Zach Eflin. I think you guys were talking about this uh, earlier in the chat room. What do you do with Zach Eflin against um, Alex Cobb in Baltimore? you got to pitch him, right? This is not today. This is going to happen on the third.
1: You know, honestly, I would say I like Eflin, but the Orioles, uh, the Orioles have some good hit- hitters. I mean, I know they've been struggling a lot this season, but games in Baltimore, um, again, I told you, Mancini's heating up, Machado hitting again. He had, went through a little bit of a cold spell. Trumbo's been hot. Adam Jones has been hot or been consistent. Um, I mean, I, I don't think that's necessarily a sure bet at this point.
0: Well, I have Jake Junis going against Kluber. I think I'll be benching him. Right now,
1: yeah, I will. The way the Indians have been h- hitting, you were talking about it earlier. I wouldn't start anybody against them.
0: I'm putting Eflin in for Jake Junis, and I don't know for sure if I should pitch Clayton Richard either. He's going against, um. Pittsburgh, but I really do believe that because he goes so late into games, he always pitches six or seven innings, and you get three points an inning, so even if he gives up a whole bunch of runs or hits, I'm still going to be coming out in the positive with Clayton Richard in my uh, points, head-to-head points league, I think.
1: Well, that's why the innings eaters can be money.
0: Okay, so let's go on with the St. Louis Cardinals. They are... All right. The Braves have outscored the Cardinals 22 to 10 in sweeping a three-game series for the first time since 2012.
1: Uh, I'm Bolte, pretty though, sure, Andy, that the Braves starters in this series did not allow a run or an earned run.
0: Three three games in a row, they didn't uh, get yeah. There was three successive scoreless appearances by starters. So it was Fulte, Tehran, and Max Freed. No three of them gave up. They went 17 and two-thirds innings with 24 strikeouts and zero runs. So that has been great. The Braves, you know, they've been in first place or tied for first place 60 of the last 62 days. And they kicked off their 10-game Homestand or no road trip, sorry. They're actually going. You know, just to, God. I just remember. Time flies. Yeah, okay? they're uh,
1: they're on the road here. They or uh, in St. Louis now. They're heading to, to the Bronx
0: tonight. Yeah. Well, they started their 10 game road series with um, three wins. So the Cardinals have lost four in a row. They scored five times in the seventh. They tried to come back from a 6-0 deficit. Um, they're going to play 17 of their next 20 on the road. Not not doing well with them, but Fam hit a home run. It's his 13th. I can't stand this guy because I, I told a, fr- a good friend, MJ, not to keep him. Anyway, whatever. I'm sure you all know the story about that. But Freeman hit a 16th home run. Ozzie Albies extended his hitting streak to 11 games, and Tyler Flowers came back into the lineup after missing Saturday. He had a muscle cramp, but that was, I think, due to the heat.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, the heat's been killing everybody lately, ha- hasn't it? Yeah, um, um, I'm great. You know what I'm excited for is to see Albies and Acuna on the big stage in New York tonight. I get Very excited to see that. And for all those people looking for saves and who have been very patient with A.J. Minter, he picked up his third save yesterday and does appear to be the front runner for saves while is out. So, uh, Viscaino
0: is supposed to be activated today.
1: Really? Yeah. Already? Yeah. I could have sworn he was supposed to be out for longer. Either way, it should be A.J. Minter anyways. I mean, I
0: think
1: he's so much better, so much more dominant.
0: Well, you can sit – well, I mean, you know, that's fine, but I do know that – and I remember saying this just yesterday that management did say that he is coming back to get his – he's taking his job back. They say that – let me see here. He threw a side session Saturday. He's going to rest Sunday in anticipation of Monday return. Previous reports put the Braves closer in position to regain the role on Sunday, and but that didn't happen, obviously. They don't want to exert him further after his Saturday workout, but he was placed on the disabled list last Sunday with shoulder inflammation, and he is going to reclaim his role of the primary closer upon his activation, although um, they still have Dan Winkler, and they also have AJ Mentor. So, I mean, you know, it's it's a closer carousel. What can you do? I'm just letting you know what I've read. We don't know for sure. AJ Mentor has been good, so you never know. Maybe they'll ease him back in. I don't know. If I owned AJ Mentor right now, I'm certainly not going to drop him this soon.
1: Well, you know what I'm doing right now is um, so there's some leagues you know where it's not just pitcher spots; it's starting pitchers and relief pitcher spots. So yeah, I'm behind in saves right now, and two of the closers I own are Sergio Romo and nice. Willie Peralta. Very good. Those guys are both starting pitchers. Love it. Technically in fantasy. Love so it. So I have like only three starters or four starters this week. Plus those two guys, plus three other relievers. So I have five guys as relievers, even though there's only three relief spots. So um, guys like Romo and Peralta proving to be even more valuable than... Originally expected as closers because you can use them as starting pitcher spots.
0: The Phillies beat Washington yesterday in 13 innings. It was an amazing game. I loved it. The Phillies won um, their third and four game set with uh, Washington. All their wins came by one run, though. And over the past two weekends, they have gone 5 and 2 against two time defending national champions, um, National League East champions. This is, would be, is that the Nationals? The, the two time, okay. I think the Nationals. I don't know why they put that. Okay, Philly's gone 5-2 and two against the Nats, basically. Okay? <laughs> yeah, <that>. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, they're second place in the division. I love the Phillies. You know I'm a big fan. Their bullpen posted a .60 ERA. They had 13 strikeouts in 15 innings. And the Nationals are now 6-15 and 15 in their past 21 games. And that's going back to June 8th. Um, they're six games behind Atlanta for the lead in the NLE. So, that's, that's going to be a tight division. But... Um, they only got four hits yesterday in eight innings against the Philly bullpen. They never moved a base runner past second base in that stretch and they struck out seven times. Gio Gonzalez had not a good outing. He walked three guys in the fifth inning. Um, That included uh, when the bases were loaded at one point. So that actually caused the Phillies to put their first run on the board. And that, that really kind of opened it all up for them. But he had never allowed more than three earned runs and 14 career starts at Citizen Bank Park. And, uh, um, he has tossed at least five innings every start this season. That's,
1: that's very impressive.
0: Here's one thing, though, that's interesting. <laughs> Nick Pavetta, right? So if you're you're in a weekly league or whatever and you happen to own Nick Pavetta, he didn't have a great outing the last time out, but he got the win yesterday because that's the only pitcher that they had left. Um and he really, it was good for him. He actually, he had such a bad start and he had seven runs in one and two thirds innings on Friday night, so it was like a kind of a redemption chance for him. Um, Vincent Velasquez, I don't know if you saw this, um, line drive that hit him in the forearm on his pitching arm and, uh, the guy is, a, you know, I'm a big fan of Vincent Velasquez, anyway, so I'm kind of biased. But he actually didn't show any kind of pain. He picked the ball up with his left hand and threw an out to first base. It was an amazing throw, considering that he doesn't throw with that hand. But as soon as he released that ball and got the guy out by his, by just a hair of a chinny chin chin, he was rolling around on the ground. It was almost looked like it was kind of like one of those times when you get your funny bone when you hit your funny bone and you just can't. It's like this crazy feeling you can't shake for a couple minutes that's what it looked like I don't think there's any major injury here but he is on the DL for now
1: well, you know what? I, I heard a really funny story actually with the Phillies game yesterday. So their uh, their catcher Nap who hit this walk off home run. So yeah. he obviously didn't start the game. He came in as a pinch hitter and hit that home run. And he got a text from his dad uh, before the game, being like, Oh, well, you're not starting. Well, I guess he'll just have to come in and hit a walk off.
0: That's awesome. That was funny. That's the first yeah, Phillies. So to... He was
1: interviewed after the game and he told us he's like, I'll even show you the text. Blah blah blah. So I I thought that. That was a cool story, um, He was you know, between a, father and
0: son. Totally, dude. It, he was actually the first Philly to hit a walk-off pinch-hit homer since 2015, so that's interesting, too. They actually reinstated Pat Neshek. He's been hurt since uh, the opening of the season, so um, he's back. I don't know what they're going to do with him. but I just,
1: was going to say, that's great. That just clouds the Phillies' closing exactly. uh, role even more than it already is. It's yeah. already uh, a, a cluster... Uh, Bad word but
0: exactly yeah exactly so um we only have a couple more games let's we're we're not that far over time this 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 uh monday morning so stripling we're talking about Colorado and Los, Los Angeles now stripling gave up four runs and a season high nine hits in six innings um he struck out seven and walked one he's a good pitcher we really like him but he did get a, i think he got no he didn't get a loss adam Ottavino came in and got the loss so kemp though what's up with your boy kemp hello
1: I know, right? I mean, he already had three RBIs in, in the game, but, uh, what, just clutch as can be. Are you Bottom kidding? Part of an eighth inning tie game, boom, home run, and, uh, you know, ends up being the winning run for the, uh, the Dodgers. This guy just, uh, I guess he hasn't heard all the, uh, Pundits who told him he shouldn't have even been uh, been starting this Dude. season, let alone uh, being a Dodger. The, Dodger were, the Dodgers were supposed to trade him to you know, have uh, some salary relief, so good thing that they didn't.
0: I know. Okay, the Dodgers were, like, forced to take him back in a trade. I think that he – I'm not even sure if he went somewhere else between Atlanta and – yeah, it was in
1: the. Uh, it was in the. I'm trying to remember what trade it was now.
0: I'm but gonna. Yeah, uh, they
1: they were pretty much forced to take him <laughs> on. Exactly.
0: Um. He was hi. pushed on them. He was totally pushed on them and they reluctantly took him because they wanted whoever else was in that trade. But I'm going to pull his t- contract up and I'm going to tell you how many teams are paying this guy. And you know what? I'll give him the credit that he deserved. He's on track right to be on the All-Star team for the third time, the first time since 2012. He's the second leading vote getter ahead of Bryce Harper among National League outfielders. He should be
1: an All-Star. He's more than he's more than deserving right now.
0: Absolutely. He got 3 hits yesterday, drove in 4 runs, okay, including the go-ahead home run uh leading off the 8th inning that rallied the Dodgers past the Rockies to 6-4. Um they prevented a sweep. I mean, clutch is the understatement of the years. So let me put him into This is going to be interesting. You know that we just had Bobby Bonilla Day yesterday, too.
1: Of course we did. I think uh I think Kemp that was his 51st RBI of the season. I mean, I don't think anyone could have expected him to have 51 RBIs all year, let alone 51 before the All-Star break. It was still about two weeks to go.
0: Um, he signed an eight-year contract with the Dodgers, okay? This is before he traveled to San Diego, to Atlanta, to wherever. 160 million million, eight eight years, in um, 2012. So he's through 2020 just on that. He's, he earns $21.5 million a year. Uh, I don't even know. I can't even tell you how much he's getting because um, it doesn't say all the teams that are signing him. I don't know if for sure that these, like his contract just rolls over. Uh, pretty sure over. the
1: Dodgers, Padres, and Braves are all paying him. And the best part is that he ended up a Dodger because the Dodgers pretty much were – willing to trade him within their division, two-division rival in the Padres. Padres unloaded him to the Braves, and the Braves unloaded him back to the Dodgers. So it's kind of come full circle for him. And what's crazy about it, Andrea, is I know, obviously, they have Acuna and Siarte, Marquez having a great year, but imagine if they had Kemp, too, still, the Braves. They're, they're playing so well. The offense is playing so well. Not to say he would be doing this well if he was still a Brave, but, I mean, they practically gave him up for nothing, wanting to dump his contract. Imagine if they had him in their lineup, too.
0: He um, belongs in L.A., I could tell you that. I'm not sure how good he would be in Atlanta, but I guarantee he's great in L.A. He always has been good in L.A. He's battled some injuries, but for the most part, I mean, this might be the healthiest I've ever seen Kemp.
1: Well, I think he lost, like, 20 pounds this offseason, gone into better shape. And if you remember, he really should have an MVP trophy, too, if not for uh, the Ryan Braun year, where Braun was pretty much caught being on performance-enhancing drugs later that season or later that year. Um, Kemp came in second that year, Barely DeBron, who was uh, was called for P D as I mentioned. So uh, Kemp's been an M V P caliber type player before too.
0: The Dodgers are expected to acquire at least one reliever. So think about that in the Manny Machado uh, aspect of it and you're thinking uh they- Britain. Well, they say that they've been talking to the Marlins, actually, and talking about guys like Kyle Bearclaw, Adam Conley, Drew Steckenrider. There's not a trade on the table yet, but they have been talking to Miami, according to sources, and it's not John Hayman. Yeah, I
1: saw that this morning, actually, and I think uh, Bearclaw would be a perfect acquisition for them.
0: The Giants completed a three-game sweep with a 9-6 victory over the division-leading Arizona Diamondbacks. It was San Francisco's seventh win in eighth games and their first sweep of the Diamondbacks since 2016. They moved into second place, uh, they're tied for second place now, um, and two we and a half.
1: Those three teams, right, separated by three and a half games: Dodgers, Giants, and uh, D-backs. Two pretty and a half now. There.
0: Yeah, two and a half two and games. Two and a half. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, I also saw. I think I, I could be wrong about this. Uh, someone might want to fact check it, but usually when I get my facts from uh, MLB Network, they're usually pretty. Uh, they're usually pretty safe. So the Diamondbacks have only lost two series in the past month. Both have been to the Giants.
0: Oh, okay. Well, that's an interesting tidbit. You know, Jared Dyson became the eighth player in team history to record at least two hits, two RBIs and two stolen bases in one game. That's just to say that he did steal two bases. Um, Pablo Sandoval, I've been liking this guy, and I'm telling you what, I own him even on a couple teams. Uh, He was hit by a pitch, though, in the right elbow in the third inning. He left the game before the bottom of the inning. X-rays were negative, and the injury was announced as a deep bruise, but his status is day-to-day. So if you did own him, you did pick him up, uh, watch out for him this week. And Evan Longoria is about a week away from taking some swings. He's an $80 million loss, okay, this year.
1: Yeah, I mean uh I think we start start to see him kind of decline lately in uh, in Tampa for that matter. I f- feel like the Rays kind of unloaded him at the right time. Um what we're talking about uh Longoria. And do you know Sandoval is only 31 years old? Okay. Because I could have sworn he was, like, 36. He's Are been around. Sh- I feel like he's been around for so long.
0: Are you kidding me? I'm right there with you. I couldn't even have said it better myself. Jeff Samarja, is, um, his final rehab start for AAA Sacramento is today. He's expected to pitch, like, five or six innings that throw 90 pitches, and he should be back after that. So if you own Samarja, I know he's owned on pretty much every – team, so or every league, every fantasy league. I
1: struggle to own some margin because I love the stuff. I feel like any given night you can go out there and get double-digit strikeouts, but you know, he reminds me of A.J. Burnett when Burnett was with the Yankees, one of those guys that has the stuff, has the pedigree, has had the great seasons, but any given night can either deal eight like shutout innings, twelve strikeouts, or be out of the game by the third inning?
0: I've never owned Smarja on any team, and that's the truth, so I don't really um, I get you know, you keep better track of the players that you own. So um, Seattle and Mariners, the Seattle Mariners and the Royals, this is the last game that we have. Um
1: Unless you're a fan of James Paxton, this was a very boring baseball game.
0: I have to say, though, okay, Diaz, the the closer in Seattle, when I saw last night in the box scores that he had his 30-second save, I almost keeled over. I was like, what the hell? Because, you know, I do the box scores. I go through the game. I see, you know, closers getting, like, their 20th save or their 17th save or their 16th save, 32 saves. I thought it was a typo. I'm like, what the hell? And then I go and look at his numbers, and I got to say, this guy – it took him fifteen pitches to retire three batter or th- yeah three batters he's got a this guy just comes they
1: in cast too it would have been even less
0: he comes in and he gets it done It's not just that he's got thirty two saves but the fact that he does his job so effectively and efficiently like he he is um he's a very big surprise for me as as far as how well, well why do you think the
1: Mariners are so good in one run games this year this because guy of him.
0: Is, unbelievable when he comes in he just gets it done right so paxton he's from canada and yesterday um they had canada day but he got they had bobblehead day for paxton right Paxton Bobblehead had a bald eagle on his shoulder, which is pretty cool because you remember that instant incident well, where?
1: Yeah, the, the eagle like landed on him and he didn't even flinch.
0: Yeah, so Seattle's really good for like having all kinds of promotional days and stuff. And um, the other night they had Back to the Future night. So they all dressed up with their sleeves cut off and their hats backwards, except for King Felix wasn't allowed to wear his hat backwards because they said that it was too much of a distraction. Although, just a note on King Felix, he was battling some serious back problems. He Barely bend over. He pitched five innings on Saturday, but he had a real uh, hard time with his back. He wasn't able to sit down in the dugout between innings. Okay, that's how bad it was. But he continued to go out there and pitch. I give him credit for that. But um, it's it's just it not It's just stupid. I mean, especially when you're you're like vying for a playoff spot. Seattle is good enough to finally make the playoffs after the longest team in all four of the major sports in the, the United States. No team has gone longer than them to get into the playoffs, and they have this chance to do this right now, and not to say that King Felix is going to be a deal-breaker, but he could be.
1: Yeah, he could be, especially if he's injured. Why throw a guy out there if he's injured? One more thing on Edwin Diaz, though. So he's just the second pitcher in Major League Baseball history to have 30 saves and 70 plus strikeouts before the All-Star break. Any guess on who the other guy was? It's not Mariano Rivera and it's not Trevor Hoffman.
0: Is it a player that pitches now?
1: It is not but um, he was the one of the pitcher. best The San Diego pitcher.
0: Who's a no, San Diego? it wasn't
1: Hoffman. Oh, It wasn't damn. Hoffman, and it wasn't Rivera. But this guy did pitch on the West Coast for a while, and he was one of the best relievers, closers in baseball during this time.
0: Okay, you got to tell me who it was because I'd have no Eric idea. Eric Gagne. Okay. Eric Gagne. All right. That's pretty good. So I wasn't out of my mind when I was so amazed at the 32 saves. I'm like, holy shit. Like, that's how many saves pitchers
1: yeah, get. Yeah, well, the saves is one thing. The saves is one thing. I think there's been a couple other guys to be at this number before the all-star break. Not many, but the 70 strikeouts plus to go with it, um, you know, puts him on a level with only one other guy ever. I'm pretty sure that was the year Gagne won the Cy Young Award in the National League, too. And that so doesn't happen very often. It for to show you that much,
0: yeah. yeah. Um, Ian Kennedy, I don't know if anybody owns this guy, but he had tightness in his left side during his start on Friday. But he did have his normal throwing day in the bullpen yesterday. He, um, We don't really know for sure if he's going to make his next start. If I had him, I would bench him for sure. Jorge Soler, um, he fractured his – you know, he has a fractured toe. He was put on the 10-day deal on June 17th. He's still on six weeks or so recovery. So it's likely another four weeks before this guy's coming back. And he was actually having a good season.
1: Yeah, he went through a stretch maybe in uh, May where he was one of the uh, hottest hitters in baseball. But before we finish up with this Royals game, Keller, he kind of goes – Unnoticed because he's on the Royals. But Brad Keller, yeah. 22-year-old, big righty, he's 6'5", 230. Um, he's, yeah, he's having a really good season. I mean, the strikeout numbers aren't what you want from a fantasy player, I guess. You know, 33 and 56. He pitched innings, a complete so not game. not the greatest, but – pardon?
0: He pitched a complete game yesterday.
1: Yeah, and I mean, the ERA in the low twos, a really good whip, 1.16. So, I mean, he's Zero getting walks. it done. He's just on. He's just on a really bad team. It's not going to give him much run support. But um, you know, just 22 years old. And, I mean, the strikeout numbers could obviously improve over time. Um, but. I mean, definitely a guy that's kind of flown under the radar, I think, in many fantasy circles. Because, again, pitching on the Royals. If he's pitching on, uh, you know, the Red Sox or the Yankees, it'd be a different story.
0: I totally agree. Couldn't agree more with the Keller idea. I mean, Alcantara is a big name that's come up. And we we all know uh, we have some fans in the chat room of Alcantara. The guy walks too many batters. You could be better off taking a chance on a guy like Keller. He's not going to get the win a lot. But, I mean, that's baseball nowadays. So you've got to figure out a better way to, to give fantasy owner's credit for wins because wins are not they they're look at Jake DeGrom he's a perfect example of a a great pitcher who doesn't get the win because he has no run support and you I I remember saying this about King Felix a few years ago when he was up for Cy Young I honestly believe that you got to give a little more credit to the guys that are pitching at every single time they go out there they continue to pitch well surrounded by a team that doesn't give them any run support I mean how frustrating would that be I honestly give them more credit for coming out there every day and taking. In the mound with a good attitude and, and doing their thing even though they get nothing in return over a guy like, you know... Uh Whatever, Scherzer or Sale or um, even Severino, because they're getting run support. So you got to – I really do think there's something to be said about a guy that can continue to come out there and throw his best even when he doesn't get any love.
1: Well, and you know what? You're right about King Felix because he's been one of the best pitchers outside of, you know, last year and this year now since 2005 or so, and he has just two seasons of more than 15 wins.
0: All right. Are we done for the day? Go Red Sox. The Yankees suck. (laughs) Yankees suck. That's my chant for the day. Yeah, well, I
1: hope the Nationals sweep the Red Sox this week.
0: I hope the Atlanta Braves crush the Yankees.
1: They might. They might. I think they they, will. They can hit the baseball. It could be a very high-scoring series.
0: I'm not scared of the Nats right now, even though I probably should be. But whatever. The Red Sox well, need a pitcher to too. Well, they
1: do Scherzer, but after, after Scherzer tonight, I think the Red Sox will be just
0: fine. You know, at the trade deadline, we're gonna like I said earlier, we're gonna be talking about lots of trade rumors and stuff like that. And have you ever noticed that if when in doubt, send them to the Yankees? Like that's the, that's basically the the. Um,
1: the well, that's what sells, That's what sells papers. And that's what people buy into. You, you can put anyone going to the Yankees, and it's, it's like clickbait.
0: Yes, this even is Even if true. it doesn't
1: make any sense <laughs> at all. People will read it.
0: That's very true. If you want people to read your articles, just say that someone's going to the Yankees, even if it's a load of crap. But it probably is a load of crap. Most of the trade rumors aren't true. Most of the things that we actually hear in the media are, are just ways to distract you. Um, but... Yeah, so I think that the Red Sox also could use a starting pitcher. I don't think that it's out of – I really do believe that they might – Maybe they
1: could use another righty because uh, their only righty when they're all healthy is uh, Porcello. They have four lefties (laughs) when they're all healthy with Sale, Price, Pomerantz, and Erod. So they might need another righty potentially.
0: The Yankees are very close to the uh, threshold, the tax threshold. I don't think that the Yankees have ever – One time gone under the tax threshold, and you know they're paying buku dollars because of that. Because every year that you go over it continues to increase, the fine increases. Right now, they're at 175 800,000 million, so that 176 million is what we'll say. Okay, that they're at right now. They still have 20 million dollars that they could spend and still remain under the tax threshold, which is, uh, am I wrong in saying that it could be the first time ever that they've been under?
1: In a very long time, yeah. And uh, that's why, again, I really think, and I'm, I'm not the only person saying this, obviously, it's out there, uh, I think J-Hap is the perfect fit there.
0: We'll see what happens. So thanks, Lou, for getting up with the Roosters. Thanks for talking baseball. Thanks, to everybody, in the chat room. And we, uh, Lenny will be back mañana.
1: Take care, everybody. Thanks so much.